Good morning and welcome to 360 Degrees of Healthcare. My name is Dr. Stan Schwartz. I'm excited to have you here today for a very interesting conversation with a very special hospital. Before we do that though, I'd like to give you a really fast COVID update. You know, as you all know, the world's most famous COVID patient, and interestingly, the world's most protected individual was discharged from the hospital this week. The improvement was really remarkable. And I guess that's what you find when, you know, at a world-class health, uh, health center like Walter Reed, a team of eight doctors, best in the world, a combination of 10 medications, including investigational medication, and one that's still experimental that's only been given to a couple of hundred people. I think the takeaway lesson from this is there really is some light at the end of the tunnel. But like they say at the bottom of the commercials, Please don't expect these results in your situation. Your results may vary. That's why it's still tremendously important that we still do the three W's, wear the mask, watch the distance, and wash the hands. And with that sermon, we'll get right into our interview today. I'm very happy to have with us Dr. John Harvey. Dr. Harvey is an interventional cardiologist and he's the president and CEO of Oklahoma Heart Hospital, one of the most famous places you've never heard of. Oklahoma Heart Hospital is a provider on the zero card, on zero, but he's here today because it's a really unique institution that's been able to do what a lot of other hospitals haven't been able to do. So before we get started, we have Dr. Harvey on the phone today because of technical difficulties. I'd like to let Dr. Harvey introduce himself. John, could you please? Yes, thank you a lot. Yeah, so, uh, uh, I live in Oklahoma City. I started my training at the University of Oklahoma in medical school and in my internal medicine and finished my training in Boston at Beth Israel Hospital. After coming to uh, back to Oklahoma, I was served on the faculty at the University of Oklahoma in interventional cardiology for four years and then decided at that point that I wanted more control of my life. So I went into private practice initially as just a two-man group. Our group has grew from two now up to 90. Uh, cardiovascular specialists, and then the, the thing we were most excited about in 2002 was we decided to uh, build our own hospital, and that was at the time fairly uncommon that physicians would. It was it was common back in many many years ago, and then faded away, and then uh, more recently physicians have taken back some control. So we, in, in collaboration with a nonprofit hospital system, we built our own hospital. Uh, we have ownership in the hospital and, and uh, opened a 99-bed hospital in 2002. In 2010, we subsequently built a second cardiac hospital about 30 miles away because of the demand in the market uh, for the type of services we provide. So we take a lot of pride in that. We think we were able to create a different type of model of healthcare that's been well-received by patients and has had great quality metrics over time. Uh, I apologize for not the webcast. I've, uh, we just started, installed a new firewall in our system, and I think it must be blocking me, so I'm having to do this by phone. So I've got a couple of questions for you. And by the way, those of you who are listening live, there's a Q&A feature at the bottom of your screen on uh, your Zoom window. Please feel free to send in any questions. There is no such thing as a good question or a bad question. We really like all questions. So the first question I have for you, John, is, you know, you really have, the, the thing that was remarkable at Oklahoma Heart Hospital is the, the quality scores that you get like through Medicare 
publicly reported quality scores, which are equal to, and in many cases better than the marquee hospital systems name, hospital, uh, heart hospitals like in Ohio, in Texas, and in New York. What's the driving force between these, uh, for you to get these great scores? How do you do it? Well, I think the thing, the first thing to point out is a lot of, um, a lot of awards hospitals get are not based on actually patient care. They're based on reputation. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, if you're a great research institution, more power to you, but you know, as a patient that has very little to do with your actual care. So we're really focused, uh, completely on the patient. And what makes us, I think most unique is that, uh, because the physicians have ownership in the hospital and are sitting in the boardroom, uh, we're much more inclined to to direct the hospital in, in ways that uh, are really just more patient focused. Uh, we we, have, we don't have a lot of administrators and and uh, MBAs in the room. We're talking about the decisions we make are really directed toward patients. So when we opened our hospital, we we, we came up with a few rules that we thought were hard and fast. The first was that we decided that uh, what patients really perceive a hospital uh, from is is the is the nursing care, since that's who's in the room every day seeing you. And so we we decided that at our hospital we were going to make a hard and fast rule that a nurse would never have more than four patients. Doesn't matter what shift it is, day, night, weekends. Uh, so, and we've stuck to that for now, going on 18 years. Uh, we also uh, the advantage of being a specialty hospital is that all of our nurses are cardiac nurses. So we don't have, you may, many of you listeners may be aware that in a, in a general hospital, if you happen to be short staffed on a ward, you, you may call a nurse down from another floor. For example, an orthopedic nurse is asked to work a shift in the cardiac unit. And so we, we don't have, of course, have that problem because it's purely a cardiac right. hospital. So we try hard to keep, uh, we think that was the number one most important thing. And then another thing we decided is that whereas most hospitals went down the route of we, what we're going to do is because nurses are expensive employees, we're going to have a nurse take care of a lot of patients, and then we're going to hire a bunch of lower paid people to help, help that nurse. So, you know, with transportation, with phlebotomy, with nurses' aides, et cetera. And we decided that we wanted to, we would really want to go the opposite direction because we perceived that that strategy, which has been going on for the last 20 or 30 years in hospitals, was hurting patient care. And so we went the opposite direction. We said, we don't want all those ancillary people. We just, we, we just want the nurse, but we want the nurse to have a small enough patients that they could take care of them. So one of the things that you fellows, uh, you people do down there is you do bundle, con uh, uh, bundle services on direct contracts with employers and other organizations. And one of the things that surprised us is that you've got bundles for things as simple as a, an exercise test and as complicated as the most invasive open heart cardiopulmonary bypass, the pump and et cetera, the most complicated cases. How do you, how are you able to price these things as opposed to, you know, just adding up fee for service? Yeah, that's very complicated. This all started with, with we originally were approached by a company out of Canada that wanted to provide services to Canadian patients that that are 
have been put on wait lists and for example they they've been told they need bypass surgery but it might be six months before they get get it done and so that kind of caught our interest we felt like that was in our wheelhouse since we're sort of a focus factory we do strictly cardiac work we're one of the highest volume cardiac hospitals in the united states uh and we're also small enough and nimble enough that, that we don't get caught up in the big bureaucracies. We we felt like we could come up with some sort of pricing. We we were really less interested in whether this was of any profit to us than we were. We just uh, we thought we'd just do this to learn about it. So what we would do is we we'll, we'll take Medicare sets a, a rate of payment, a comparative rating scale for all different type of procedures. So we just adopted Medicare's rate scale and then and then decided as a percentage of that how we wanted to charge for it and it's a it's still a work in progress it's it's a lot of manual work uh for us to do these uh these kind of patients where they're it's it's not being paid per se by traditional insurance but it's been it's been an enjoyable thing for us to do and and uh we set a price to scale we provide a, a fair amount of those kind of services now it's still, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's a drop in the bucket compared to traditional Medicare or traditional commercial insurers, but we, we, we hope and expect that it will grow over time. Yeah, I suspect it will. So when you have somebody come in for an open heart surgery, for example, and you know it doesn't, it's not exactly what was expected, what happens if something else turns up and you know, it doesn't fall into the, the bundle that was expected before surgery? So generally, that's just part of the cost. I mean, we try to price it so that those outliers and those uh, extra things are just carried in that. You know, you go into anything understanding that not everybody's going to be routine, and sometimes you get thrown curves. Sometimes if we know about that ahead of time, we'll, we'll price that separately. Uh, if we know that other additional testing is going to be required, that would not be in the routine uh, However, once we've once we've accepted, for example, if if we have a bundle payment for uh, for undergoing bypass surgery, then uh, then the complications that occur at our hospital while you're still being cared for are just part of the bundle. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that you've got a pretty high volume of cardiovascular surgeries. Just can you ballpark for our listeners? how the volume of your complex surgeries might compare, for example, to a typical large city hospital, you know, a general hospital? Sure, yeah. So we did, uh, for example, we did about 1,800 open heart surgeries uh, last year and about 5,500 PCIs, or those are angioplasty and stents that are done. Uh, the PCI volume puts us in the top three in the United States. Uh, the surgery volume puts us in the top, I'd say, 15. I'm not sure. I haven't seen the most recent date on that. 15 to 20 largest hospital programs in the country. So, so for example, certain types of procedures, bypass surgery, for example, we do a bigger volume than um, Mayo, for example. Uh, in fact, there are very few hospitals in the country that do the volume of bypass surgery that that we do, um, and uh, so we cater primarily to people in the state of Oklahoma, but we do get patients from outside the state, uh, particularly on these direct contracts that come in. And you know, we're not an academic center; we don't we don't try to publicize ourselves or do nat- run national advertising thing. We I think we, we see our mission mainly as uh, catering to our own 
individuals in our own state. Uh, thank you. Um, for those of you who are just joining, be sure to post your questions in the Q&A feature. We actually have a question now from Anonymous. How far do people, you mentioned Canada, but how far do people travel to come to Oklahoma Heart Hospital, like in the United States, or do you get anybody from, you know, overseas, things like that? Yeah, we do. <laughs> I think, I mean, I still would say the vast majority of our patients are from Oklahoma. Um, we get a few, you know, a few Canadian patients. We get a few patients from other states, but, but I mean, we're not, for the, for the listeners out there, most of you probably have never heard of us. We're not, uh, we're not going to show up on the U.S. News and World Report list of those hospitals. And Newsweek, interestingly, named us as one of the top five cardiac hospitals in the United States. Uh, it's, it's funny how each uh, news organization comes up with their own <laughs> criteria that are vastly different, uh, one from the next. Uh, so, uh, uh, pr primarily Oklahoma, we, we, we care for patients from out of state mostly because they have some Oklahoma connection. They may have family here or some other connection. And we do, and we do see a few patients from other states that because of the direct contracting, uh, it's not, there aren't a lot of cardiac hospitals that do direct contracts uh, for providing bundle service like that. So we get a few patients that way as well. So uh, we have a question, you know, if somebody does travel to Oklahoma Heart Hospital and, you know, they're ready to go home from the hospital in three days, but they're not ready to take an airplane or drive back home, how do you care for them? Yeah, so we have, we have relationships with local hotels and, and uh, we usually let people know, you know, and anticipate a length of time. For most of what we do, it's, it's typically only a day or two after they get discharged from the hospital that we well, sometimes, depending on the procedure, we'll say it probably is a good idea to stay for a little length of time. For for more invasive, larger heart surgeries, for example, it might be a few days. Uh, but it's not generally very long, and we usually try to let people know ahead of time sure. what that expectation would be. Um, we have a question. Um, you mentioned earlier that you are majority owned and operated by physicians. You know, in this country, Physician hospitals, as you mentioned, used to be pretty common, but not so much lately. And physician-owned hospitals generally get a bad rap, you know, as being profiteering and so forth. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, you do a very good job as a physician-owned hospital. That when you hear that, that must be kind of disappointing to hear. Well, it's frustrating. We take all payers. We we take all patients, regardless of ability to pay. So any 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 emergency room, and particularly in the state of Oklahoma, knows that if they call us, we'll take the patient. We don't we don't even know if they have insurance. We don't worry about that. Uh, so then you get accused of uh, so so called cherry picking, where you just take care of insured patients only. And and we actually find in our market we're the most willing to take care of somebody with no insurance, uh, even even more so than the nonprofit hospitals. But that accusation has been leveled by primarily the, the large large trade organizations, American Hospital Association, for example, who, who basically want to put us, our kind of hospitals out of business. Uh, they managed in the uh, Affordable Care Act in 2010, a lesser known provision in that was a prohibition on building any more physicians physician-owned hospitals and a, a prohibition on growth of the current hospitals. So we've been in this uh, 
never never land right now where we we've existed since 2010 and will continue to exist but we can't expand our hospital even if the need is there and but this is really more of a war between an internal war of, of you know uh the big the big box hospitals just like in any industry they they want to keep any competitors out of the market so they try hard to to um, and they come up with all sorts of arguments about why we shouldn't be allowed to do this, but uh, I think the, the quality and the patient satisfaction speaks for ourselves. Our hospital has had the unique situation of being, uh, we've been in the 99th percentile for patient satisfaction since we opened in 2002, uh, continuously, not, not having missed a single quarter in now 18 years for patient satisfaction in the top 1%. And many of those years we're ranked as the top number one hospital in the United States for patient satisfaction. So I, I think that says a lot. So your North, you have two hospitals. And when I visited your North hospital, um, the, hosp the heart hospital is, is basically on the same campus as the Mercy hospital there. I mean, are you, do you compete with the Mercy hospital for cardiovascular cases? Our, our no, so part of the part of the agreement. So the Sisters of Mercy, based out of St. Louis, is a 33 hospital system that agreed to partner with us in this hospital. It was a kind of a one-off, unique adventure venture for them. They uh, they agreed when we decided to build the hospital that they would shut down the cardiovascular program, and we would in effect be the cardiovascular program for the Mercy Health System. And, and we've been that for the last many years and so there's there's very little competition there's a few procedures that we both do because they're both necessary but we don't really see ourselves as competing with each other we we are their cardiovascular program okay um i don't have any other questions coming in is there anything else john that you would like to tell our audience about physician donor hospitals cardiac procedures Anything else you'd like to share with us? Well, you know, I think I'd like to make a little plug. I'm, I'm the, there, there's a trade organization for physician-owned hospitals. Many of these hospitals are orthopedic and spine and and surgical specialty hospitals. And uh, almost uniformly, they have better ra ratings as far as both patient satisfaction and quality. And uh, there's there's less than 200 in the United States maybe even less than 100 at this point. It's a, I see it as a shame. It's been a passion of mine because I think it's the right model. I think it's, I think having uh, actual primary caregivers involved in the administrative arm and decide, making decisions on what's the best way to provide services to our, to our uh, people in the community, uh, you know, it helps to have someone there who also is making rounds that that day and, and walking out and talking to people and understanding what their what patients frustrate patient and their families' frustrations are, and uh, it's a it's a tough battle because we're we're small small fry compared to the giant hospital systems, uh, multi billion dollar hospital systems that are campaigning actively against us. So for any of you, if you have an opportunity, there's, there's only so many states that have these hospitals. I think that, that you know, we, we're, we're firm believers that it's the best model, and, it, and I think we're, we're kind of proof of that. Uh, I would also say, you know, in, re, in regards to cardiac care and, and, and care in general, uh, it's it's very difficult for a consumer to figure out you know where I want to get care. I think patient satisfaction matters a lot, but 
of course, you can find it a satisfactory experience. That doesn't necessarily address quality. I think you also want to look at quality measures. So if you go to CMS now has a hospital compare website. It's pretty easy now. If you go to hospital compare, you can actually look up your hospital. You can see how they perform on a variety of measures. It shows patient satisfaction. It shows many quality measures. Medicare has tried to make it easier for us, but they've come up with a star system, one to five. 7.6% uh, of hospitals, hospitals in the United States hit five stars. And that star system is based on uh, a variety of quality metrics uh, as well as efficiency and patient satisfaction. And so that's a very simple way for you to get an idea of what your how your hospital ranks. Uh, we've been consistently five stars since they started the ranking system. Uh, and in any community, you can, look, you can essentially look up every single hospital and see how they rank. I would so encourage consumers to do that, yeah. You're still in the trenches, seeing patients, doing caths, doing angioplasty. Yes, yeah, so I—that's right. I work. I'm, I'm the CEO of the hospital, but I'm still probably 30% of my time is still patient care, and I think it's important. We feel like it's important that right. even in my role, that that's that you still maintain that contact. Great. Um, I have one last question that just came in from a friend in Texas, in Houston, Texas. What is your overall percentage of Medicare billing for your services to commercial patients? And the question was in the respect of the RAND study that showed uh, state by state, city by city, what percentage of Medicare was, um, you know, was billed to commercial payers. Do you have a ballpark for that? Sure, sure. So 65% six, of our patients is Medicare. Uh, somewhere between five and ten percent are self-pay and Medicaid, and then the rest is commercial. So, something on the order of twenty-five percent is commercial. So we run a much lower commercial rate than a typical hospital does. I mean, part of that is because, as a cardiac specialty hospital, you you skew toward an older age range. Uh, we, you know, we don't deliver babies, we don't do pediatrics, et cetera. Uh, and so for a, for a pure cardiac service, that would be a pretty typical breakdown of percentages. Well, thanks very much. We're about out of time today. It's been great to chat with you, John. I appreciate your joining us. We hope our audience has enjoyed this conversation. And uh, if you want to share it right now, you can go to drstan.podbean.com. Uh, it'll be posted there in a few days. We hope to see you again about the same time, about the same place next month. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, take care, and wear that mask. Have a good day. <laughs>